All right, welcome to the latest edition of Match Chats on Leadership. My name is Matt Childers. I'm the executive director of Allen Lima Leadership and pleased to have at this very table uh, the latest guest on Match Chats on Leadership. It's David Griffith, the executive director of the Northern Ohio PGA, good friend and uh, just a tremendous leader in uh, his field. It's David Griffith, everybody. David, how are you, my friend? I'm doing great, Matt. Thanks for having me. This is uh, an honor to be with you, and uh, I've listened to some of your podcasts, and uh, I've enjoyed them, so I'm, I'm honored to be with you. Oh, I love it. Uh, appreciate you being with us here. Uh, this uh, podcast being taped uh, on June 19th, Friday, and uh, we're going to talk about some leadership uh, in the golf world and in your world, uh, but before we do that, uh, just give our audience just a, a, a feel for your early years, uh, high school, college, and what led you on your path? Well, Matt, I, uh, um, I grew up in Hudson, Ohio, here in northeastern Ohio. Um, played uh, high school golf at, at Hudson High School, and we were fortunate enough to have some good teams. Um, I was fortunate enough to go to Kent State and play college golf for one of the, the legends in college golf, Herb Page, which was... Uh, you know, a huge honor for me, and I look back on those years, and I I, I was very fortunate to have uh, those years under Herb. Learned a lot, obviously, with Herb. Um, knew I wanted to do something in golf. I grew up in a golf family. My dad actually was in golf sales. Um, started his career with Spalding in the Columbus area, hmm. and then was fortunate enough to to land um, a job with Titleist in the Northeast Ohio area, where he was. Um, the sales rep here in Northern Ohio for 12 years and then was transferred to Palm Springs, California and finished his career with Titleist after 25 years. So wow. I've been, I've been um, in golf my entire life and knew I wanted to do something in golf after I graduated from Kent and uh, knew I didn't want to play for a living. I wasn't good enough to do that and had no desire to try to chase that dream, but um, decided I wanted to do something in golf. and. Uh, chose the traditional route at the beginning. I became a golf professional and was uh, assistant pro at a club and, and um, you know, was able to teach a little bit and get a little bit of that experience under my belt. Realized early on that that was, was something I didn't see myself doing for an entire career. I knew I wanted to do something in golf, but at that time I really took a, um, um, an interest in running events. Um, and really loved member guest week and running golf tournaments. So I decided to get in to, um, you know, uh, golf administration, a job came open with the Northern Ohio PGA at the time. It was 19 years ago, actually. And, um, they hired me as an assistant tournament director and I was helping them with their, uh, with the tournament program and kind of worked my way up. I've been with the section ever since I progressed the, after the first year, I became the tournament director and did that for 18 years. And then um, last year, our executive, executive director here at the Northern Ohio PGA, Dominic Antonucci, um, was with the section for over 20 years, retired, mm. and um, had the great opportunity to take uh, over his chair. And um, so I started my new position as, as executive director uh, in January. So I've, uh, I've only been here for six months in this, in this role, but it's, it's been a great learning experience for me, and I've, I've enjoyed it. Um, yeah. Yeah, it, it reminds me, it kind of strikes me as uh, George Herbert Walker Bush, who, you know, was CIA director, ambassador to China, a uh, congressman, vice president. You know, it's like you were made for this job, you know, just in terms of what 
your pathway. You just spoke about your father and being in the golf business and being around it and then to be able to come up from Kent State and have the influence of Herb, your father, and then all of those tentacles that touch that. Uh, you were made for this job, right? Well, I don't know. That's Matt, it's, it, I look back now and, and I never envisioned myself going through this process and getting to the chair I'm in. Mm. I mean, obviously I did here in the last five years or so, seven years, I had aspirations to, to take over for Dominic, which was a great I mean, he was a great mentor of mine. I mean, and, and he's guided me along. And, um, you know, it's funny how things just happen. You know, in, in life, you you know, you don't set out specifically with the end goal. And, and how you get there is um, sometimes quite different than what you envision. Mm. Um, but, you know, I just I, I, I think what what I love is I love what I love what I do. And and it was easy for me to work hard and work long hours take pride in the product that we put out and it just happened you know i just got to this point and um it, it takes time obviously um for whatever anything that you do in life and um you know i i'm still learning obviously it's i, I continue to put myself in um uncomfortable positions i think that's how we all grow mm. and um obviously we've all experienced that here in the last um three or four months and with the, with the situations we're de- dealing with this pandemic, and um, it's it's been a blessing for me actually in this position um, because it's forced me to get into some things that I never thought I'd have to deal with. Yeah. So it, it, it's been great. Yeah, visiting with David Griffith, the executive director of the Northern Ohio PGA, on our latest on leadership podcast. Uh, Griff, when you think about start with your dad, his influence. What leadership lessons did you learn from from your dad? And your, well, par- your parents I'm, in general. Yeah, both my mom and dad have been obviously huge influences on me. I mean, they taught me at an early age what hard work was about, how to be honest, um, you know, try to always do the right thing. If you can do something, you do it. If you can't do something, you let people know you can't do it. Um, and just follow through with what, you're, what you you promise to do. I, I learned that from my dad. My dad, um, as a salesman, um, you know, he, he, he joined Titleist in the late 80s when golf was really just starting to boom. And, you know, I look at um, probably the premier brand at the time in golf, and he, he was able to be a part of that. Um, he, he taught me everything in regards to what customer service was all about, mm. how pe- you treat people. You know, um, if they send you, if they, they call you at the time, they leave a message, you return their phone call. You know, today, if they email you or send you a text message, you return those those calls. Simple things I and mean, mm. things that that are extremely simple and um, and how, how important it is to be personable and, be, and to be engaging the people and to make people feel good to talk to you and, you know, you know, give them the time that, that, that they deserve. I mean, just things that we all want to how we all want to be treated. Sure. And, you know, the, the basics. And I've, I've carried that on in everything I've done. And, you know, I've learned from my friends and my peers as well you know you know those people that you respect and you see um you know we all learn by observing so um that's really how i've modeled you know what i do Hmm. you know i just um, yeah i I continue to do it today yeah well said um all right so uh speaking of leadership you went uh to play at kent state uh for herb page and you mentioned him earlier in the podcast a legendary coach uh, in the Mid-American Conference, but really a legendary coach across the United States. Uh, 
putting a team from Cleveland, uh, uh, the, the greater Cleveland area, in the national conversation, which is not easy in golf because, right, it's not nearly as conducive as Arizona, Florida, Texas, uh, Oklahoma, those those places uh, because of the weather. Uh, what was it about Herb that, that you learned uh, from, from a leadership standpoint? You know, Herb is probably the biggest competitor I've ever met, whether it's through the golf team or through business. You know, he owns a, a golf course um, in the Ravenna area called Windmill Lakes, and he's also the owner of uh, Windmill Golf Center, which is a um, driving range, custom-fitting uh, training place. And um, so what I've learned from him is the competitive part of life and what it means to be competitive and give everything you got, how to work hard, work harder than you know the guy next to you. You know, he surrounded himself uh, or surrounded us as as players with with um, with with just similarities in regards to wanting to get better. You know, he um, had a way of breaking you down and building you back up, and you know, making you something more than what you thought you could be. Um, he took average players and made them all Americans, mm. um, and you don't see that you know very often. There's there's obviously other coaches that do that, but. You know, he, he could see something in the competitiveness in somebody and be able to bring that out of them uh, and get the most out of them. He got the most out of every player that was with him. Hmm. Um, he, he had a way of convincing us that, you know, when things were the roughest, whether it was weather or um, golf course conditions or field strengths or whatever, he had a way of making us feel we, like we could, you know, overachieve. And we, and we did that a lot. And so... Uh, but you know, my teammates drove me too. I mean, I look back at the teams that we had, you know, um, I was an average player, um, struggled, you know, my freshman and sophomore year, didn't play much, played a little bit, but not much played, you know, more my junior than played a lot my senior year. And the guys that I was teammates with, they drove me. I mean, Mm. I, I, um, we, we competed every single day, whether it was, you know, in, in the weight room or on the, uh, you know, when we would ramp, run around the running track or we play basketball in the off season, or obviously when we practice with short game in, in short game contests, or obviously when we play golf, I mean, we were always competing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, that's that. When, when you think about, when you think about golf, um, and, and by the way, did you, did you, at what point did you know you were going to Kent? Were there other opportunities where you said, Hey, I might, I might go to this school. I might. Uh, did you know that Kent was in the fold uh, early on? Well, you know, it was kind of ironic. I, I, I was a slow develop. I, I developed slow as a junior golfer. So I played a lot of junior golf. And I'm not the biggest guy. So um, I never hit it very far. And so I always seemed to grow late. And so mm-hmm. I, I didn't really get, um, I didn't develop as a, um, a golfer until my senior year in high school, really, until I had a really good year between my senior year of high school and my freshman year of college. And so I finished high in a couple of uh, national events and got recognized, but it was really past the recruiting process for me. It was over. Um, so I really didn't get recruited. Um, I actually went to Fair State for um, two quarters and, um, you know, went up there and they had a golf team, but it was it was – it wasn't the experience that I wanted at the time. I really wanted, you know, I, I kind of changed my philosophy that 
that summer between my, my, my senior year of high school and my freshman year of college. And um, I went up there and the golf team was, was just not the experience I wanted. I wanted something more. I wanted to be more competitive. And so um, I, I was close with Herb and knew Herb very well through my, especially through my father. And Herb told me, he says, if you want to come, you know, we will give you an opportunity. Um, I'm not going to promise you anything. You have to earn it, but we'll give you an opportunity. And so um, I left Fair State and went to Kent and he gave me that opportunity mm. and I took full advantage of it. And, um, you know, that I look back on those decisions that I made at the time. It really, I mean, it formed my whole future. I mean, I, I can't, I don't, there's no way I would be where I am today if I didn't make that decision and go play for her page. Yeah. He just, he, he taught me so much. So, yeah. yeah, so no, I really didn't get recruited. So it was, it was kind of a unique situation. I was a late developer and was fortunate to just make the, that decision at the time that I did. Yeah, for sure. Uh, that's a great story, by the way. Um, so, all right. So when you're out there kind of on an island, because golf is, is an island, uh, it's an individual sport in most cases. I mean, you play on a team when you play in high school and college. But um, for those that uh, are listening to this podcast uh, and this interview, what would you say to them about what makes that you've seen makes someone stand out in the golf world in that individual sport? Boy, you know, that's a good question, Matt. I mean, um, you know, obviously, I mean, talent. I mean, you can't. You got to have talent, obviously, at the highest level. Uh, uh, but but you gotta you gotta embrace pressure. You got to be able to work hard. Obviously, um, I think someone that can control their emotions obviously is huge at the highest level. Um, you know, the player. You know, I've learned a lot. I think I've developed much more as a player. In, in the last 20 years observing good players, right? Mm. So I've been able to really see, you know, the difference between, you know, there's a lot of guys and gals that have all the skills. You know, they they can chip and putt, they hit the ball well, they hit it far, you know, they got all the, the, um, the things that you think you would need at the next level. But the ones that really go on and achieve greatness are the ones that embrace pressure and when they get an opportunity, they, they take advantage of it, mm. you know, and they capitalize on it. And I always use an analogy, especially youngsters, um, when, when the pressure's turned up the most, a lot of people run away from pressure. I've seen a very few that run towards pressure. Mm. And those ones that run towards pressure are the ones that are going to have long-lasting careers at the mm. highest level. Yeah. And there's very few that have it, very few, because it's so hard. It's an uncomfortable thing for all of us. Right. Um, but those are the ones I think that I've seen have the most success. Um, you know, and those, you got to take advantage of those opportunities because, you know, these good players, they play good probably 10% of the time, the, you know, the majority of them. But the ones that have long careers are the ones that take advantage of them when they're playing good. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, no, very, um, very good. Um, you, you spoke about juniors. Um, you know, the Northern Ohio PGA leads juniors and. Uh, runs a series of tournaments every year and has been doing that for decades. What is it about youth and what you're trying to um, uh, have as a guiding light for uh, your youth uh, golfers? Yeah, you know, Matt, we're, you know, the Northern Ohio PGA is an organization of 450 PGA members throughout the northern half of the state. That's who we represent. And we're the biggest thing that we're tasked to do is to grow the game. 
Mm-hmm. We are the ambassadors of the game. Our PGA members are the ones that are the experts in the game. They're the ones that teach the game. And their ultimate goal is to grow the game. And so as a junior golf organization and what we do through the Northern Ohio PGA, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to grow the game through youth. And we have, um, we, we have a great vehicle with our junior golf program that does that. We run uh, approximately 35 to 40 events throughout the summer, beginning in you know mid-May all the way through the end of July. We, we complete most of our events before high school golf starts. Um, and so we're a local developmental tour that's affordable. That's, that's what we are, and that's what we try to be. Um, and we attract all different skill levels. We attract, um, obviously, the highly skilled as well as the new um, competitive player. And so we have over 500 junior members. We'll play over close to 3,000 tournament rounds on our junior golf program this, this year. This year has been unbelievable so far just because of the um, demand um, with, with the lack of other activities that have been permitted. So, um, you know, our biggest thing is to develop those young people and teach them what the, what the game has to offer them. And it offers a lot of things, obviously, you know, it, it's got life skills. We learn life skills. These kids learn life skills every single time they tee it up. Yeah. And, you know, you see, you learn a lot about an individual on the golf course, whether mm-hmm. they're, they're youth or adults. Right. And, how you deal with that and how you mature through that is um, this game teaches you. And so that's our responsibility as an organization um, to these youth. And um, we got a great staff that does that. We, we, have a, we have a small staff of four here at the Northern Ohio PGA. Um, but, um, but that's, that's, um, those are our, our, that's our responsibility to the game. Yeah. And, and so we, we obviously take great pride in that. Yeah. Uh, we'll talk just a, briefly in, in the in the near uh, about uh, the uh, PGA professional side of it. So you have the youth side and then you have the PGA club pro side of it that you also uh, um, uh, administer. Uh, but l- let's just talk a little bit about what you said about this year uh, with all of the activity in golf. You, you have been a member of Governor DeWine's advisory committee on youth and adult sports. Uh, what what has that uh, committee been about? And uh, if you could explain that to our audience, I think it'd be very helpful about what's happening uh, with the uh, uh, COVID nineteen pandemic. Yeah, one, it was it's you know here I am in my first year as executive director, <laughs> yeah. and um, I was asked to be on this um, advisory group and represent golf. So I was extremely honored to do that and to be a part of it. Um, and it was a huge task, um, not not specifically for me, but for all of those that are representing youth in, in uh, adult sports throughout the state to try to get all of these activities back to the public in a responsible way and how we could introduce that to everybody. Because if obviously um, sports are a huge part of the citizens of Ohio. I mean, it's it's I learned a lot in regards to all the different activities and what there is out there to to um you know to youth and adults it's unbelievable so anyways it it was a great honor to be on that we worked closely with the ohio department of health um it consisted of about it's still ongoing actually um we've probably had i don't know five or six conference calls um we typically did them weekly um we had the ohio department of health that were on the calls with us there was probably anywhere from 
25 to 30 individuals that were represented on calls, on these weekly calls. Um, and we were tasked with basically putting um, um, uh, mandates and restrictions and recommendations to the governor on how we could responsibly uh, conduct our activities, whether that was through competition or leisure or whatever it may be. And so we've developed those. And I, we were fortunate as golf to be um, one of the early ones, if not the, the earliest activity uh, to be permitted. Um, and um, it, was, it, was, it was great to be able to go through that process, let everybody know how we were going to operate our facilities, how we were going to uh, operate our um, activities, if there was competition involved, and how those things were done, and, and how we were going to communicate that out to the public. So um, it, it was great. It, it, was, um, it, was, it was great to learn from the Ohio Department of Health and what they were looking at and what was key in these activities to get going. Um, and, um, and it was a, a different way of thinking, but, uh, but it, was, uh, it, was, it was a great learning process yeah. for, for me individually. It was, it was fun to work on it. Yeah. How about that? Your first year as executive director and the pandemic hits uh, within the uh, the first months of, of you taking uh, the reins there, uh, that had to be incredible uh, in itself just because you're, um, you know, starting a new chapter and then being able to uh, create your uh, piece of it from where Dominic had left off. And then the pandemic hits. But why, why is golf so? Why was golf such a uh, uh, a sport that one could say we can get up and running versus a lot of the different contact sports? Well, I, I think you, you one obviously it's not contact, which is huge. And I think the biggest thing is the social distancing. Every time we were on the call with the Ohio Department of Health was social distancing, social distancing. How can we keep that that distance? Yeah, and and what a better place than on a golf course. So, you know, I think, you know, they all saw that and the importance of being outdoors and mentally being able to have a, a place for people to go to enjoy um, the outdoors and to basically escape from what we were what we're dealing with. Yeah. I mean, it, it's still obviously still going on and, and very much in, in our lives still. But the golf course is a way that you can get outdoors, get outside. You know, enjoy the weather, be with your friends, but still keep that social distancing. So it was obvious early on that we could have provide that. And, you know, what I was proud of is a lot of these other activities, um, I think, saw what we were able to do um, through golf. And they, 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 they used it um, in their own sports, too. So it was a, it was a great model and a great um, uh, activity to really – lead the charge uh and we've benefited from it golf is i mean i don't want to say corona has been been positive for golf but it's been positive because it's really reintroduced golf to those that may have left the game and introduced it to those that are new to the game especially youth and it's a it's a game that can be played that's um that's safe responsible um it's a great uh, physical and mental escape um you know the game offers so many great things um uh, it's um and i think this has just brought that back out it's just re-emphasized what we already do but mm. it really brought it to the forefront let yeah. everybody know what, what this game has offered yeah no that's a very insightful uh regarding the game visiting with david griffith the executive director of the northern ohio pga 
on our latest edition of On Leadership. Um, how, how do you grow the game? Um, you, you talk, and obviously, you said that with the the health crisis that it's growing because it's one of the things that people can do. But outside of that, uh, we we know that golf has gone through some transitions over the last couple of decades with uh, really a huge surge uh, in the 80s and 90s and then kind of falling off uh, with a lot of courses closing and uh, those type of things. But you do hear that both from a PGA Tour standpoint, from your chair standpoint, and then from the golf industry as a whole of growing the game. How, how would you define growing the game and what the best opportunities are for that? Well, you know, junior golf obviously is the obvious thing. I mean, I think if you can start uh, start any any person um, in their early years and introduce them to golf, mm-hmm. and obviously you have a better chance of keeping them in the game. Yeah. Um, I think a big thing that we've we've tried to do as well is um, to try to um, the diversity and inclusion of the game. We've tried to embrace that more. Um, we were, you know, the, the uh, um, trying to grow it uh, with women, females. That's that's been a huge um, growth um, part of the game. Um, so you're seeing you're seeing women play a lot more, which is which is huge. And I think you know with all the different challenges we all face uh, on a day to day basis, whether it's time, our time is is, is gotten obviously. Um, uh, you know, we don't have as much time to play. You know, so the accessibility of the game too financially, and I think you're seeing a lot of different things pop up. Obviously, Top Golf is, is is something that we have here in Northeastern Ohio. I think there's definitely there. I think there's two other locations in the state. You have one in Columbus, and, and there's one down in the Cincinnati area. Um, and um, Top Golf has introduced golf to a different, um, uh, you know a different area that we haven't seen before, which has been fantastic. Um, so there's, you know, golf is not just going out on the golf course and playing the game. I mean, it's, you can go to a driving range, you can go to a putt-putt course, you can go to top golf. You know, there's a number of things that you can do to get introduced to the game. And, and, um, obviously we welcome all those different avenues. So, um, you know, I think golf, in the state of Ohio is very accessible. We're fortunate to have a lot of great public golf courses that are, are tremendous. I mean, our conditions, playing conditions are are great. Um, I think you've seen technologies come a long way in the game. So it's made the game more fun. We're all hitting the ball further than we've ever hit it straighter than we've ever hit it. Um, you know, so you're seeing you're seeing those things, which all contribute to to um, I think to more people, or hopefully more people staying in the game and coming to the game. So, um, you know, you, you just can't. You've, you've got to be open to um, to anyone, uh, and we are, and, yeah. and I think more than ever. Yeah, very good. Um, you, you you talked about the youth uh, and th- that development uh, for the youth uh, in in your programs. Uh, and then you have an adult program that is the PGA Professionals uh, Club Pros that uh, you have tournaments that you run and then you also advise. And as you said, you're on the administrative side. Uh, but, but give us just a sense of that. And for those that uh, are going to be reading this article that we'll publish uh, here locally, uh, Steve Mulcahy has been in Lima for 20 years now at Shawnee Country Club. Uh, how would you tie him in as as a leader in uh, in your profession? 
Well, first of all, Steve has been a PGA member, like you said, for 20, 20 years. And uh, he's been a huge ambassador of Northern Ohio PGA. Obviously, his playing ability is um, at, at the top in our section. Um, he's accomplished so many great things um, through his playing part, but he's also a tremendous teacher. He's one of the best teachers in the state. I know he gets recognized yearly for that. Um, um, so he, he, you know, he's highly respected in, in our, in our association. Um, he's a huge resource for a lot of, um, for a lot of our PGA members here in Northern Ohio. He's a huge resource for us here in the section office. Um, Steve's very active as well as his uh, assistant, Asa, Asa Donaldson's a PGA member, um, both very active in, in our association. Um, so we run a tournament program. Um, it's probably our most recognizable thing we do within our section for our PGA members. Um, we start in mid, mid to early April, go all the way through the end of, end of October. We run weekly events for them, uh, typically on Mondays. Uh, most of our members um, uh, have Mondays free, um, whether their uh, private clubs are closed or, or the public facilities, typically the pro will have a Monday off. Uh, so we, we create a great tournament program for them. We, we run about 30 to 35 events for our, our PGA members. Mm. Um, we run the Ohio Open, which actually is coming up here in the uh, on the 29th and 30th of June, and the final round actually um, is the 1st of July, so that's coming here in about 10 days. Uh, we also run the Ohio Senior Open, which we just had here um, in early June. Um, we also run the Toledo Open. Um, those open events are open to non-PGA members, so we will see some of the best playing amateurs in the state mm. playing those events, as well as non-PGA professionals, maybe some of those pros that are trying to play for a living and trying to, to get to the next level. We're kind of a stepping stone for them. Yeah. Uh, big part of our uh, office is uh, we, we, we run educational programs for uh, our PGA members, whether it's um, on teaching. We, we'll, we'll get speakers to come in and talk to our members on, on uh, different um, topics that they're interested in, um, you know, we um, we have a staff here that that uh, that uh, does a lot of rules officiating for around the state of Ohio and, and helps with that. Um, so, you know, we're uh, Matt. We're one of seven allied organizations in the state. There's two professional bodies: the Northern Ohio and the Southern Ohio PGA. And then we have uh, five allied golf associations which represent um, the USGA and represent the amateur bodies. And all seven of the associations work closely together, and we have one primary goal, and that's obviously to grow the game. Mm. And so we yeah. do everything we possibly can we've um, together and, and help each other in, in accomplishing that goal. So Yeah, very good. Uh, you would say uh, that... Uh, the membership at Shawnee is in good hands. Uh, and, uh, you know, after somebody has been there for 20 years, you sometimes wonder, you know, do they even know what some, what, what the other side of that coin might be if you don't have a Steve there, uh, with, with his staff, with Asa and company. Yeah, no, no doubt. I mean, to have a town such as Lima, the size of Lima is, and I've been fortunate enough, you all have invited me over there a few times to, to be there and, to do a few things and to have a, a resource like Steve and Asa there at the, the at, your, at your your local country club is invaluable. I mean, he is he's got so much knowledge and um, 
you know, I, I think the main responsibility we have is to make the game as fun as we possibly can for those, you know, for those, for our members and guests. And the best way to do that is to help them through their own games and to enjoy it more and yeah. to be able to be better. Right. And to have Asa and, and, and Steve there teaching the game at, at, uh, at Shawnee is invaluable. I mean, I, I think that's the best, the biggest responsibility they have is to make it more fun for, for, for their members. And, and obviously you can't have anybody better than the two of them. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Uh, okay. A couple last ones. Um, golf and business, uh, in terms of uh, a lot of the audience that reads this are business leaders um, and, and, and will hear this podcast. Uh, h- how does golf and business go hand in glove? You know, I mean, it's we treat it as a business. I mean, just like any other business. I mean, it's um, we're trying to grow just like, you know, you know, any business would be trying to grow. Um, you know, I mean, when you look at all sports, not specifically just golf. I mean, um, you know, everything's a competition, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, whether it's business or, or yeah. sport. And we're just trying to, to be better uh, than the person next to us and, and, and be able to grow what we're trying to grow. Yeah, let me ask this. Just, uh, I'm sorry to interrupt, but what I, what, what I was getting at, I probably didn't ask it right, is, is the relationship between golf and then people who golf and then they operate businesses and they come together because of golf and, you know, businesses, they, they, they conduct business on the golf course. How, how have you seen that? Because you've seen so many different clubs and so many different public facilities where people come together. But a lot of times there's business that's conducted vis-a-vis golf, which not there's not a ton of sports that offer that. Right. No, no doubt. I mean. Golf is a relationship business, just like business of, you know, in any business. And so the relationships you can create through golf is invaluable. And business, I mean, we've all learned business is done on the golf course. I mean, how many times can you spend, how many times do you have that you can spend four hours on a golf course with a customer or a client yeah. that you can build a relationship and get to know them a little bit outside of, of the business, uh, you know, relationship and golf you learn a lot on the golf course, obviously, right? So um, it, it's a great tool um, for that. I think some of the most successful businessmen are golfers, and mm. you know they're they're members at clubs, and um, they're you know they play all different types of golf courses. So it's um, it's invaluable. It, it's a you know there's it's amazing when you look at business and how we all do business. You know, it's all through relationships. It's strictly relationship based, you know. And uh, I mean, I learned that from my dad early on. It's all about relationships. People want to do business with those that they trust and the ones that they have the relationships with. And yeah. obviously, you, there's no better place to form those than, than, than golf. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Uh, okay, get you out of here on this. Uh, golf, obviously, at the highest level on the PGA Tour, uh, has uh, certainly seen uh, their. Uh, share of disruption this year because of the health crisis um the 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 open championship which we commonly refer to it as the british open um is uh is is not postponed but it's canceled and uh the other majors uh, may not have fans and then augusta uh, is going to be i think in november if, if i'm not mistaken uh what, what are your thoughts at the highest level of what's happening with the pga tour and 
how they're handling it, and then what will it be like to see Augusta in November, and then come right back possibly in April. So within a six-month time frame, you'll have two Masters tournaments. Yeah, I tell you what, it's going to be fun. I'll say that. We've got a lot of great golf and important golf here in the second half of the season, unlike any other year, obviously. Mm, yeah. Um, so I, I, it's great to have a, have the PGA Tour back, which they've just started back. Um, it seems like we're progressing toward um, having those events. What they're going to look like is going to be completely different. Um, but it's going to be interesting because I think what you're going to see is if a player gets hot here in – uh, a few weeks stretch, they could win a couple majors. You know, they, they could shoot, they could win three majors. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, the way it was spaced out before is it would be a lot harder because there was going to be some downtime. Um, so you're, it's going to be an endurance test for, for these for, for these guys. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how their games, uh, how sharp they can keep their games going. Um, I'm interested to see what Tiger does. You can kind of sense that he's setting up for, for that run. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not playing yet. So he, he yeah. knows it's going to be taxing. Um, so he's not jumping the gun here early on yet. He's going to, you know, pick, you know, pick and choose what he's going to do. And then he's going to go all in obviously for the majors. Um, you know, the fan part of it, it, it's, I think having the Ryder Cup this year is, is it's kind of unfortunate obviously, because obviously the fans are such a big part oh, yeah. of that. And I hope by 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 the Ryder Cup we're able to have fans. Mm-hmm. I, I I'm sure it's not going to look like it normally does. But, you know, they're not going to be able to have as many fans. I'm assuming. Um, yeah. But um, but but you know what? I, I think the Masters. It, listen, the, the Masters is is good. Is still going to be great. No, no matter what, whether they have fans or don't have fans. Yeah. Um. So um, you know, it's going to be interesting. I'm I'm excited to, to see yeah. see how it all. It will it, it will be very interesting uh, to see. You're right. Um, I had uh, forgotten not not forgotten about the Ryder Cup, but uh, hadn't had that in my thought as I was asking that question. But um, yeah, there's a lot. So there's a lot of golf for the uh, uh, for for the golf fan to be able to uh, consume here coming up, and we'll be looking forward to that. One one last one uh, before we get you out of here. You, you've done a lot of rules seminars, a lot of rules. Uh, uh, during tournaments, uh, being, being the officiator, and uh, wh- what's the craziest rules uh, or rule that you've seen uh, that you've had to rule on? Well, it's funny. I, I get this question all the time, and um, <laughs> we had one actually in this our junior events this year. We had two golf balls played in the same group that were embedded on top of each other, meaning they plugged literally on top of each other huh. we took a picture of it because we couldn't believe it so um that that was um definitely unique i've never seen that before and then what um, happened what what's the ruling there well they both get relief obviously from the embedded ball that's okay. a new you know we've we've always here in the united states played the embedded ball rule through the green which means anywhere outside of a bunker or a penalty area that we call now used to be called a hazard you could take um um, embedded ball relief, which you get free relief from. Okay. So what basically what they do, they mark the ball, they can pick it up, they can clean it, and now they have to drop it within one club length from where the ball embedded. So all free relief. Um, but that that's pretty unique. You know, one thing that's in the rule book that uh, I always bring up um, that was in the old rule book, it's not in the new rule book since we've changed in 2019. There was a decision in the old rule book that said, what do you do when if your ball embeds inside of an orange, 
So what happened was obviously a ball landed and went inside of an orange. And unfortunately, <laughs> uh, you got to play the ball as it lies because it's it's just the the orange basically adheres to the golf ball, so you don't get free relief. So. Oh. That's a unique one. That sure is. Uh, David, it's been a pleasure being with you uh, today. Thanks for your time. And uh, really, thanks for your leadership uh, with regards to golf uh, in our state and and across our state. Uh, It's been a pleasure having you and uh, all the best. I know it's a busy summer coming up. And uh, hopefully uh, you'll uh, be able to visit us in the fall uh, in Lima and uh, get a round or two in. I'd love to do that, Matt. It's been an honor being with you. I appreciate the invite. You got it. Uh, David Griffith, everyone. It's the executive director of the Northern Ohio PGA. Uh, David Griffith. Thanks, David.